This is Eric Rutan of Cannibal Corpse. You are listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast with Andrew McKay-Smith. G'day, everybody. Thanks so much for joining me. I do appreciate it. Well, it's finally happened, a conversation with the great modern percussive iconoclast I'm talking about, Dave Haley. This conversation has been much anticipated. Now, the catalyst for our introduction is twofold. Werewolves, they have a brand new album out. It's available now. My enemies look and sound like me. And to celebrate the release, they are touring across Australia with Archspire and Ingested throughout October 2023. So if you're local, please check gig guides. This is a very dynamic chat. Dave articulates his thoughts and feelings on many topics and subject areas. It's a real good one. Now, if you've tuned in via Rumble and the podcast apps, I've got a tune to share with you. It's called Under the Ground. Of course, it's taken from My Enemies Look and Sound Like Me. For you people on YouTube, you know the drill. Can't play music on the platform. So, here's the tune, and once it's done, we'll dive into the chat. For you people on YouTube, let's get stuck into the chat right now. Either way, let's go. How are you? 
Yeah, not bad. Not bad at all. Thanks thanks for doing this, mate. Actually, I've been in the audience plenty of times when I've seen you up on stage, but the, the opportunity to have a chat to you was pretty alluring, I must say. No, my pleasure. My pleasure. Uh, I'm actually quite a big fan of your podcast. So as soon as the email came through, I'm like, yeah, of course. Of course. Fantastic. Yeah, yeah. I asked Dicey on the off chance because I know Matt quite well. And uh, yeah, I thought, well, look, I've, I've had about two or three chats with Matt. So I'll, I'll just see if Dave's available. And uh, Dicey wasn't sure, to be honest with you. He goes, yeah, he doesn't do a lot of interviews these days, but let's just see. Let's just put the question to him. And I had a run about Sam off. I hadn't got Sam off. And, uh, and I thought, well, we'll see what we can get with Dave. And, mate, thank you for doing it. I mean, it's, I know there's a couple of Zoomers out there, as I call them, with you. And I'll be honest, I don't know whether the interviewers did a great job because they didn't get try to get to the bottom of things with you. And you've got such a broad and rich history in Australian extreme metal that there's just so much to talk about. I feel like they just touched the edges instead of getting to that. Well, it was probably me just being a shitty interviewee, to be honest. So let's see how we go. (laughs) (laughs) Great stuff, yeah. Just out of curiosity, which episodes did you find intriguing and enjoying from the show? Uh, Well, I try to keep pretty up to date. Like I I listened to um, the one you did with Jamie uh, the other day, Lord Chaos. Um, He's an old friend from way back, so that was killer. And on the way here, I listened to Eric from the Amenta, so... (laughs) I keep pretty, keep, pretty current. Now, yeah. I, of course, the, the Stuart um, Cradle of Filth one was amazing. That whole Cradle of Filth series was killer. Yeah. I might be about to break the internet because I've just spoken to Sarah for about four hours as well. Just oh, last wow. night. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, that'll be um, – I don't know whether revelatory is quite the word, but it's certainly – Stuart. the Stuart one took everybody by surprise, including me actually. But this one, I've had – Mate, I've, I don't know how many messages I've had. Tens, let's just say tens of messages about it. And I get tagged in comments on on Instagram and Facebook about trying to get her on. She's not said no for years, but she's certainly, and I've been talking to her for for a long time. But uh, yeah, she finally hit me up and said, "I'm ready. Let's do this." Awesome. That's uh, looking forward to that. <laughs> Mate, my enemies look and sound like me. That's the name of the fourth album from Werewolves, and I'd really love to know what. Well, album number that is for you overall in your canon, but gosh, it must be 20 or 30 or something like that, or even more. <laughs> uh, no idea. No idea, to be honest. I, yeah. I don't keep count because I'm always looking forward to the next one. So as soon as one's done, it's like, let's keep going. You know? Yeah, you're in a great, you've got a great groove on that point. But the thing about werewolves is that or this album specifically for Werewolves, is it's another magnificently intense instalment in the band's canon. But my question for you is, now I've had it for a fair bit because Matt sent it to me a couple of months back mm. and I've listened to it quite a lot. And I was thinking, what's, what's the best question, what's the best opening question, the leading question that I can ask you? I think I've got it, which is that what did you do differently on this album compared to From the Cave to the Grave? Uh, in true werewolf's spirit, I'm going to go with a thing that popped into my mind instantly, which was nothing. Um, it's just, it's a cliche, but everything about the band is so natural. As soon as I hear a riff from Matt, the drum beat is already there. It's pure, it's almost a stream of consciousness sort of things. Um, for one, it's a privilege to work with Matt because he's such a phenomenal 
musician and songwriter. Um, so it's a no-brainer. Like I hear the riff and it's like, well, that's got to be that beat. Um, there's not <laughs> that much workshopping. It's like, okay, that goes there, that goes there, that goes there. It's it's kind of like a dream come true in terms of um, writing and recording music because it's it's, a, it's almost done for me. Um, and that's always been the ethos with the band. It's like just get it done. Like we're not reinventing any wheel at all. Um, it's just pure uh, barbaric tribute to death metal. Um, and, you know, we have loads of fun doing it. Um, so, yeah, I can't really go into too much more detail because that's it. That's the, the simple answer. It's like yeah, first thing I, that comes in the head, that's, that's the beat. Let's go. Let's keep going. When I spoke to Tim from Abremelin and I said, how does it work with Dave? Do you have to issue a set of instructions and just see how things or see how things work out after that. He goes, you definitely do not need to issue any instructions to Dave Haley. It just happens. So would you say that you've got a bit of a, would you call it psychic bond with Matt? Because it feels like that. Let's, uh, yeah, for the media headlines, let's say, yeah, of course, yeah. <laughs> uh, I think we come from a very similar background in terms of our musical tastes and the way we approach music and maybe just our work ethic to it, to a degree. Um, we both play music daily, you know, and we both, um, I, I guess, quote, unquote, a goal orientated. It's like, well, there's a task, yeah, so we get it done. So let's, let's just reverse engineer it and, okay, these are the steps to make it happen. Um, you know, the album's not going to record itself. So, okay, there's the date. Let's work backwards from that. We've got X amount of time, bang, bang, bang. So it's a uh, – we're putting a process, so to speak, to the creative process and having fun along the way, of course. Um, but, yeah, like, as I said, you know, someone like Matt, uh, oh, I don't have to issue any sort of instructions to him either. It's, it's, it's super easy. Like – He'll come to me with a full album written. So there you go. Hmm. It's all clicked up, ready to go. The song structures are there. Cool. I'll just have fun with it for a couple of months. Um, jamming it daily. Like I like to let uh, patterns and ideas, I guess, rise to the surface. Um, so, uh, but with Werewolf, it's like, yeah, it's, it's, it's easy. The playing's not easy, but the creative side of things is easy. It's like, well, that riff requires this particular beat. You know, this pattern requires this particular feel. So it's, yeah, it's definitely not rocket science. It's death yeah. metal. <laughs> it's death metal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and you've got such a great groove too, as I say. You've been doing this. Oh, thank you very much. Thank you. And yeah. That groove that you've got, it's just one of those ones where it, um, it's, it feels like a jet engine. In that it's 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 constantly propelling forward, and there's a very nice, but it's a very it, the I want to say it's a very nice cadence. It's a cadence that you just feel within you as a, as the fan. Yeah, uh, that's that's cool to hear. I guess it's um, possibly one of my Achilles' heels as well. Like I feel like I'm always just slightly okay. Let's get into the nitty gritty of um, music. I know you're a musician, so you'll appreciate it. Um, mm. I tend to play just a little bit ahead of the beat. Um, and 
in some regards, I, I try to fix that with certain bands, but it's like, oh, fuck, I'm still rushing it. But for the fan, that might give a, or the, you know, the fan, the music listener, um, it probably gives a sense of urgency um, in, in some parts. But, you know, it's, it's something I'm mindful of in, in certain situations trying to fix. But, you know, maybe maybe it doesn't need fixing, you know. It's, it's one of those things, you know. Um, as a music, musician, you're always trying to improve and um, be, better yourself. Um, but sometimes those imperfections are actually what makes you unique in certain way, ways. But, you know. Yes, uh, human, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I can't stand back and hear things objectively that I play. I just hear the mistakes. That's unfortunately how it goes. Yeah, I know the feeling. Yeah. Plus, you can only be you. You can't pretend to be anybody else. I, I can try to pretend, but I'm <laughs> not very good at it. What's the, what are the key differences between Matt and Joe playing with you? Uh, well, Joe, I can bully a little bit more because he's my brother. <laughs> <laughs> I can't bully Matt. Um, I get, yeah, I'm. Ridiculously privileged to be able to work with two phenomenal, phenomenal musicians like that. Um, Joe is pretty reserved and quiet, and I know you've done an interview with him, and you did a very good job of um, getting him to talk and open up. Um, which right, great to hear. Yeah. Lovely yeah, guy. Yeah. yeah. Um, and just hearing the excitement in his voice when he found out you're in a cover band and you started talking about that, that was Ma- awesome. Masquerade. <laughs> yeah. That was great. Because um, that's, that, that's his other job. Uh, he plays drums and guitar in a, a cover band. So he's a prop, proper working musician, you know, touring with Psychropic, um, and then when he's not touring with us, he's either recording bands or um, you know, playing guitar or drums. So from that side of things, you know, um, he's a far superior musician to me, Joe. Um, um, <laughs> I feel like a hack. Uh, <laughs> now, uh, the comparison, um, the comment that Joe made when he first saw Matt play, and, he, um, and he's a man of few words, he's like, fucking hell, that guy can play. So... Straight away, you know, um, he recognised, you know, Matt's amazing technical ability. Um, uh, they're both super unique at what they do. They've got their own styles going on. Um, so, yeah, um, very, very fortunate to play with both. Mm. How, do you, how do you find the time for balance? You strike me as, a, as though you, you have got an equilibrium. But with everything that you do, how does that happen, though, in terms of the balance? Uh, calendars and scheduling, that's it. You know, um, if you want to do something, you just have to make the time for it and schedule it in. Uh, if, if something's important enough f- for you to do, you will somehow make the time for it. Um, it, it does get challenging sometimes, um, but it's it's my job, my job is within the music industry um, or quite a lot of different facets of it um, and everything as a whole makes up my day job so that that also uh, helps with finding the time 
because it is my job um, and I work for myself. So yeah. there's no excuse. It's not like, eh, I can't be bothered doing this today. It's like, you have to do this today. Like there's, there's a deadline, you've got to get it done. Um, so sh- I think shifting j- just the perspective on things um, rather than it being, okay, music's a hobby I do on the side and I work a day job. I, I shifted the, the perspective. It's like, well, music is my day job. Um, whether it's actually playing, whether it's uh, organising um, things in other, you know, areas of the, the industry, um, whatever it is, um, it, it's my job. And that does help, um, I guess, with the work ethic and with get, scheduling, you know. Um, but if you treat it like you're nine to five or um, – 4 a.m. till <laughs> 8, 8 p.m., whatever, you know, whatever. Um, if, if you treat it with the respect that it needs, then you'll find the time, of course. Hmm. But what situations are, given your work ethic and everything that's on your schedule, are there situations that push you into the red zone? In other words, do you feel stressed occasionally? Uh <laughs> Militant exercise fixes that. Um, that's another thing to add into the daily um, routine, just exercise. So that, that, that will take care of the stress to some degree. So, yeah, of course, you know, um, it, it's a job. So you do get stressed, as anyone in their particular line of work would know. Um, but, yeah, just having strategies to, to mitigate that. You know, early on when you – you have a less of an idea of how life works than now. Like now I don't really know how it works, but before I had no fucking idea. Um, maybe you used other tools, you know, you drank too much or whatever. Um, but it's exercise is such a simple fix to a lot of massive problems that, um, so that is something I do not, um, skip out on. That's, that's mandatory. What do you do? Uh, I run most days and then um, a few times a week do weights and things like that. So just active every day in, in, to some degree. But, yeah, I'd say running is, is my primary go-to mental fix. Mm, yeah. I imagine your parents instilled a very strong work ethic, but that doesn't necessarily talk about motivation. Because motivation, I believe, is about mindset, so it comes from within. So, wh- where do you think your mindset, or how did you develop the current mindset you've got? Um, so, this is where I probably disagree with you on motivation. Um, I think motivation's very flimsy; it doesn't work. Like, so if I'm teaching drums, uh, and a student will ask about motivation, it's you can't rely on motivation at all because it comes and goes. Some days you're more motivated than others. Um, but if you've got a routine, there's no argument. So I think it's routine and the discipline to stick to the routine is more important than motivation. So I, I, you possibly could call it the same thing, you know. Um, some people say, oh, well, you know, I'm highly motivated. It's like, well, maybe you've just got very good systems in place that make you do everything. It doesn't mean you like the things that you're doing, you know. Um, it's just part of the process. So 
yeah, motivation, unreliable. It's very unreliable. So I would say I'm quite good at routines, starting routines, scheduling things. I'm, I'm not too bad at that. Um, my motivation isn't very high <laughs> for a lot of things, but if you put it in the calendar, it's like you just got to you got to get it done. Mm. I hope I'm not delving too deep here, so please feel free no, no, to answer no, or otherwise. Cool. But no, no, keep going. Have you got a family? Have you got kids? Um, I have one on the way. So there you go. There's a brother. Yeah, fantastic. thank you so much. Yeah, yeah. Are you? Uh, how do you anticipate? Obviously, a, a, as I've, I've got two daughters, right? So I get it. But um, I feel like there was an AD and a BC moment for me with that. Are you anticipating something similar? I have no idea, and I'm not going to pretend that I've got an epiphany that hasn't happened yet. So, um, yeah, it's definitely a game changer for sure Um, and a new phase that I'm very looking forward to. Let's put it like that. Yeah, Yeah. it's it's a massive change for the positive. And Mm. talking about routines and stuff, I mean, children are all about routines. If they don't have routines, then – Basically, good luck. <laughs> but it's, it sounds like you will have no trouble on that front there. So, no, that's great news for you. And do, do you, uh, I suppose the question is anticipate, will that change touring plans over the next 18 months for you? I suppose it will. Well, it has to, yeah. It has to for sure. Um, and I guess that's like, well, you know, there will be some changes for sure. Let's, you know figure it out you know that that i guess that's the um not to get too philosophical but that's kind of how it's always been you know working in the the music industry um and life to this point it's like well let's dive in and try and figure it out so I've got a lot of figuring out to do. <laughs> Let's put it like that. <laughs> no, it's it's all it's it's all fun. Don't worry. It's uh, mm. uh, when I say fun, yeah. There are some moments where you're just like, "Where I want two of me in order to <laughs> just go. I want one to go to sleep to catch up on all the sleep I don't have, and the other to just do all the doing stuff between working and uh, and child rearing." But uh, you, look, you mentioned the music industry in there, so. As a young fella, we all start out with these intentions and dreams of. Uh, becoming the next Steve Harris or John Deacon or Billy Gould from Faith No More or whatever it is, but you got no idea how to make it happen. You have. You have made it happen. So as a young fella, did you set out with the intention of a career in the music industry? Definitely not, no. Um, I guess the only goal back in the day, to be honest, was to put out a demo tape with Psychroptic. That's all we wanted to do. Um and once we achieved that, it was like, oh, wow, okay, that was not easy, but it, it happened. This, this goal that we wanted to do, we worked hard and we made it happen. Um, instead of getting the, the cassette that we thought we were going to print, we printed it on CD because that was cheaper. So, but the, the same goal happened um, and it happened in a short amount of time. And it was like, well... I guess that that was a motivating for well, I don't want to contradict myself <laughs> after I just bashed motivated motivation. That was a, a driving force or a 
uh, maybe a little trophy for hard work. It's like if, if you put the effort in, you get it. So, okay, maybe we should uh, strive for some bigger goals. Um, and being from Tasmania, one of the goals was the touring interstate. Um, I guess in the late 90s, early 2000s, um, touring was a little bit more challenging logistically. Um, so it was a little bit more of an effort to make it happen. Um, but we did. And then each time a little goal was achieved, we just tried to strive higher. So it's it's been a... a I guess zooming out, it's been a process of short, short-term goals that help make a bigger picture. Mm. Um, and uh, I mean, um, it's very nice of you to say that. Um, you know, y- yes, quote unquote, you've made it. Um, but in my mind, I'm like, no, I'm just still going. Like, there's still stuff to get done. <laughs> like, mm. I, I feel like a lazy piece of shit. Um, <laughs> It, but I think that's just that goal mindset. So, well, I've done that. So this is the next task that needs to get done. So I don't like to reminisce and look back. Uh, that's probably that's probably it's a downside. Sure. You know, um, it, it, I always need something in front of me to get to to get done. Um, yeah, that's helpful in getting tasks done, but maybe from a philo- philosophical point of view, I should stop and enjoy the, the journey, so to speak. Um, but yeah, like I still feel like I'll, there's still heaps more to get done and um, I, I don't think I've made it in any regards because it's still a work in progress. There you go, yeah. Did, did you have moments, it's not about doubt, but did you have moments where you were like, I didn't think it was going to be like this and this sucks. I'm talking about the cramped van tours where you've got to sit upright two or three nights in a row <laughs> across the United States and gear isn't working and you guys might not be getting along and that sort of thing. But have there been those moments where you thought it's got to be easier than this? Uh, always. Yeah, always. Um, every tour, every gig, um, you know, I still get, I still get very nervous before every show. Um, really? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think if that feeling goes away, it's probably time to stop because maybe I don't care enough. Um, so it's, it's something I've learned how to, I guess, control to a degree where it's not detrimental to my performances. But yeah, still occasionally, like with the bigger shows, I look down and my hands are shaking before I start. It's like, oh, fuck's sake. <laughs> how's, this, <laughs> how's this supposed to work? Um, but, uh, yeah, I think that, that, that's a little, um, uh, nod of the head or tip of the cow or whatever you want to say, whatever cliche you want to say. Um, that means I still care about it and I still want to do a good job. Um, and I still want to, you know, people have paid money to come and see us. People have put aside whatever, else they could have done that particular evening um, to come and see us. So it's like, I want to do a good job. I want to put on a good show. Um, I don't want to let my bandmates down. I don't want to let myself down. Um, so I do feel pressure in that regards on a, yeah, 
a show-to-show basis. And then, you know, you, you, you zoom out a little bit. You want to do a good job over the, the course of a tour. You want to do a good job over the course of an album cycle. So you can really get into the um, macro and the micro about <laughs> self-doubt. I hear you, yeah. You're very task and objective-oriented, but what about ambition? Are you? Do you have ambitions that you wish to achieve? I mean, there's definitely things you, know, things you want to tick off the bucket list. Um, you know, to, it's always great to tour a new country, you know, tick that off the list or play a new festival that you've never played before or uh, tour with a particular band. So th- there's all those sort of things. Um, yeah, I, um, I live like... It's a very, very privileged life. It's it's ridiculous that I even get to do something like this. You know, death metal drumming has taken me around the world, which is completely fucking absurd. Um, so I don't see, um, you know, I'm, I can, yeah, I see the absurdity and the, the humour in that alone, that this thing has been the vehicle for me to experience a lot of things that some people couldn't even dream about, you know, it's so, yeah, it's not lost on me how um, lucky I am. Um, so back to your que- question. Sorry, I keep diverting off it. Yeah. Nothing that comes to mind that I particularly want to get done. Uh, it's more just about creating music that, still feels like it's important and I'm doing a good job. Mm. I was talking to Matt from Cryptopsy about you mm. and about you guys. Awesome. Yeah. And uh, he was saying that the one characteristic which is which is common for Psychroptic is that the shows, there's just you look around the room, is that, that that person's from that band, that person's from this band. Okay. So you basically, you, you sort of graduated to that point where you're the death metal version of Southern Suns, and you know what I'm saying with that. You're the musician's musician's band. <laughs> but that that's that talks about something else, and I know this because whenever whenever I think, in, and, I, and I think I've spoken, to, I've definitely spoken to people about this, but preeminent Australian extreme metal drummer, but you, you're pretty much at the t- one of the top extreme metal drummers in the world at this point in time. That's an opinion shared by many, certainly one that I hold. Thank but you. Do, do you feel you must feel some of that reverence because you must get the the bands that come up to you after the show or the fans that come after the show and they're just like, my God, here he is. I genuinely appreciate everyone's comments, but because I'm in the driver's seat, all I can see and hear are the flaws. Um, I think a lot of the time I'm just a fraud. It's like, fuck, when are these people going to work out that uh, I have no idea what I'm doing? Um, so I do feel, um, of course, very humbled and very appreciative, but I can, yeah, I can just hear the mistakes. So I'm always trying to, oh, I got to fix that, got to fix that. Um, and there's so many amazing musicians out there. And, um, as I said, you know, I get to work with a lot of phenomenal musicians. So I feel yeah, imposter syndrome. It's like, when are these guys going to figure out that um, I've got no idea what I'm doing? Uh, 
Yeah, I, I don't. I, again, I don't want to. When I say let the cat out of the bag, be, be doing what I do, I hear things. Okay, and I'm only saying I've heard this that Morbid Angel are looking for a drummer, or well, I shouldn't say looking for a drummer. That the vacant, the drum seat is vacant at the moment. Have you ever been hit up by bands of that caliber? I mean, here and there, um, but I think I don't know. But uh, for one. I'm not looking for any new jobs because my job's perfect. Um, two, maybe if there was a position and someone thought I could feel it, um, maybe there's uh, the fact that, you know, I work with Joe, he's my brother in the band, um, that might stop some of the calls. Um, or thirdly, they just don't want to call me. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I'm I'm not looking for a new job, and then you know it could be a case of they're not hiring either. Yeah, I hear. Yeah, have you thought about stepping outside of the realm of extreme metal and doing something more rock oriented, or even going further than that, and just doing something which is more mainstream? Mm, not mainstream. Um, stylistically wise, for sure, I'd be open to doing doing different music, but. Um, doesn't really appeal to me to be honest like I get I within the bands that I play in I get to stretch my creative legs a lot um and each band kind of um scratches an itch so to speak um not to say I, I wouldn't but musically my plate's pretty full at the moment um you know I still get uh, I'm not going to say weekly lessons. I still get to say monthly lessons where I work with a jazz teacher um, and we just work on rudimental sort of stuff yeah. and um, a little bit more non-death metal stuff. Um, so I, I get that out and that helps a lot with, um, you know, just from a, a technique point of view and uh, I guess being around drums and, you know, musicians that you look up to and aspire to become um and that that definitely helps but um yeah i'm, I'm not saying never i'm just saying i've got a lot on at the moment <laughs> yeah have you uh as the drummer and i've noticed this when i've in years gone by when i've been writing in bands that you think you've got a stock riff and you think wow we can mix this up by making it a three four or a seven eight time what what other little hacks have you got as the drummer that you introduce to songwriting to liven things up? Uh, each band is quite different in the way we write. Um, so take some take the Amenta for example, because mm. I just listened to your interview with Eric, which was cool. Um, Thanks, it's great. Yeah, they come very prepared and very adamant about what they want. Um, so they will give me creative freedom to a degree, you know, I'll stretch my legs and be like, hey, how's this? Uh, and then there's a big X through it. It's like, nah, this is all junk. So, oh, okay. Um, so in in that regards, it's uh, other bands give me a lot more, you know, quote, unquote, creative freedom. So the, the restrictions that the Amenta give me, is quite freeing as well because it's like, okay, there's a set of rules here that I have to still put my, I guess, musical stamp on 
um, get my ideas out, but I've got these restrictions. So there's a lot of, um, ironically, there's a lot of freedom in that. So that will, that makes me play a lot different than something like Psychroptic where Joe will send me a song. He will have a drum machine idea to give me uh, not so much this is the beat, it's more here's where I'm hearing the accents. So that's worlds apart. So complete creative freedom in Psychroptic, uh, in, you know, right down to, okay, this riff needs to be slower or faster. We've we got to chop and change that, um, you know, change structures, change keys, change riffs, that sort of thing with Psychroptic. But the mentor it's like, no, this, this is how it is. Um, so both of those bands, uh, polar opposites in terms of creativity and, and playing, but, uh, very re rewarding. And then you've got something like werewolves in the middle where Matt will send me a full album, fully clicked up here, no drums, but here's the riffs, here's the click tracks, here's the tempos, go for it. Um, so those three bands, although completely different creatively wise, um, it's a full spectrum of like, yeah, it's a pleasure to work in all of those uh, realms. Have you ever had to resolve differences from arguments? Not musically related, I don't think. It's usually tour related. <laughs> that's that's a different... Um, well, that's a, well, that's a really good point because, uh, look, I've spoken to Dicey enough about these sorts of things. It can be challenging at the very best of times. But, I mean, you know, when things start going off the boil, have you got any tactics or strategies for how you sort of bring them back in alignment again? Um, it depends on the circumstance, situation, and what tool you can use. So if it's via text, it's like, well, I'm just not going to reply to that for a while. Um, if it's in person, it's like, okay, let's just take a minute. Let's uh, go for a little walk, go for a little coffee. Um, a lot of the times people just need to vent and someone to, to listen to them venting. And once it's out, it's like, okay, cool. Now we can talk. Um, you know, if it's over email, okay, wait 24 hours before you send that nasty email so response. True. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's just taking a minute, taking taking a breather. So it depends what the circumstance is. But um yeah, it, there's a lot of diplomacy. And most of it is not music actual music related. It's no. all the peripherals in the industry. Do you agree? I was an account executive at Telstra for years before I started my life as a journalist. And uh, one of the things I worked at after a period of time was uh, I started to read not even books, but psychology blogs, this sort of things, because I realized at a certain point, I'm not actually dealing with an, a, uh, an activity or a situation. I'm actually dealing with emotions. And I could feel it was just episodic. Can you relate to that? Oh, for sure. Yeah. yeah. 100%. Yeah. It's. Um... <laughs> Um, especially on the road, like people's emotions are, are raw. Everything comes to the surface um, yeah. and everyone's on a, a hair trigger, whether it's because lack of sleep, you know, they're frustrated for whatever reason. Um, you're essentially, it's Groundhog's Day. 
it's the same day over and over again, just with minor variations. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of a lot of diplomacy and a lot of um, uh, when someone yells at you, it, it might not be because of the reason. It might not be the reason that you think it is. There's there's probably a million reasons in the background that is, is causing this uh, causing this outburst. So okay, cool. It's probably not about me. Let's just step back and try and work out the problem. So there's a lot of um, pseudo and <laughs> uh, I guess backseat psycho analyzing people, yeah. um, trying to get to the bottom of what's actually happening. Because um, yeah, as you said, it's it's probably not the reason you know it, that you think it is. Yeah, I know what you're saying. Yeah, but you strike me as someone who has a lot of patience you know you're imbued with a lot of forbearance and that's why you're good at what you do in regards to the tour managing and the agency work that you do but have, have you had those moments where you just thought excuse my language but fuck it i'm really fed up with this situation oh for sure yeah that happens all the time and um that's when okay you brought up the tour agency side of things um that's where i'll just call my business partner brad and we'll talk each other off the ledge you know, it's happen, it happens weekly. Mm. We will work it out between us in terms of something that's happened externally and we just need to vent to each other. So, um, yeah, he'll talk me off the ledge when I, want, when I want to send that brutal email or make that brutal phone call and vice versa. Um, and that's, you know... That's where, um, what am I trying to say here? Um, that's when you realize that it's, it's, it's not this situation. It's the ex- external factors that, um, it's making you frustrated. It could be something minor that's just built up and you, you just need to vent about it. Um, and then cool. You vented. Now what's the real problem? Let's fix it. Let's put the processes in order. Let's, you know, go and get it done. What are the lessons or even just narrowing it down to the singular, the lesson that you've learned along the way that you really wish you knew when you started out? You put me on the spot here. Um, I'm trying to think of a cliche that I can <laughs> roll out to make me sound smart. <laughs> um, I don't think I would go back and tell myself any one particular lesson because you've got, to, yeah. you've got to experience it. You've got to experience it. It's, you know, it's like when you're playing video games and you get the cheat, cheat code for God mode. It's like, I don't want that. It's Why would you want that? Um, it makes the game boring. So you've got to fail um to you have to file you gotta file yeah to work it out basically mm. so maybe that's the lesson yeah keep failing and just fail all the time uh and um you'll work things out from there yeah i i my my uh wife's uh how do i describe this uh my wife's sister her husband his father I don't know what that what relationship that makes him to us, but anyway, lovely guy. But uh, he was one of these guys who would run a business and they kept on failing 
boom, and eventually he got to the point where he became so adept at uh, liquidation and uh, bankruptcy that he started his own business, helping people through that process. It's about, do you agree it's about recognising where the opportunities are? Totally, yeah, 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 yeah. Especially yeah. working for yourself. Um, I guess I've worked for myself for 15 years or so. I haven't had a boss, maybe longer. Um, I've only had, I've had one part-time, I've had a couple of part-time jobs. I've never actually had a full-time job outside of music. Um, now it's, you know, I don't work outside the industry at all. It's, it's all in the industry. Um, so yeah, failing at everything makes you see where the opportunities are. And then as soon as something comes to light or an idea, comes up you just got to pounce on it uh, and go all in Uh, don't give yourself uh, any chance of getting out of you're going to try and talk yourself out of it along the way that's what we're best at you know Um, so if you go all in and you commit you can't get out of it it's like well I've got to do this now it's like when a tour is announced it's it's out there now I've got to go and do it Well, that's a good point around touring, okay? So I know you guys are playing with Archbiot soon and ingested, but it's it's my perception of things, of course. But either way, I feel like werewolves are actually a headline act, yet your niche seems to be supporting these huge bands or these big international bands that are coming through. Do, do you think that werewolves are in a position where you guys could go overseas and do the Socroptic thing? It's possible. It's possible. Uh... I don't think we want to grind it out in terms of the the length of the tours um, that, you know, Psychropathy have done, you know, the seven, eight, nine-week tours. <clears throat> um, but definitely the two, three-week runs, um, for sure. Like we, we didn't – well, when we started the band, it was just for us. Uh, and it kind of took off rapidly. Um, we didn't even envisage playing live. Um, I'm glad we are now. Um, before the first show, we did two rehearsals to see if we could do it. So, oh, okay, cool, this works. Um, uh, I guess we should mention the genius that is Sam. Um, his pedigree, you know, from relentless touring with the Berserker back in the day. Yeah, um, I know. Everything just worked so oh cool you know this feels like a band um so it's all like we're still playing catch up in that regards um i I guess yeah to answer your question yeah it would be great to do the headline runs at some point but we're pretty happy with how things are going thus far you know if we can do a few solid support tours out here a year and then maybe a European tour here and there. Um, awesome, awesome. The US side of things, um, we're definitely not opposed to it, but then you're dealing with visas and uh, the work permit side of things, which uh, it's a whole other um, – Yeah. It's a whole other thing. Uh, but, yeah, so I would say Europe first after Australia, but um, – We'll see. We'll see when that happens. Yeah, cool, yeah. Just on Sam, you're right. I've only met him once very briefly when Matt introduced me to him uh, at the, what show was it, Mayhem show. That's it. 
and uh, he seems like a very genuine, nice fella. Yeah, but he's, he's, he's got he's stories got. for days, though, hasn't he? Yeah, he does. He's. <laughs> I feel like a dumb Neanderthal next to Sam. He's um, super smart. He's an amazing musician. Um, he came over. Like, this is just one little anecdote. Um, he came over and tracked his bass for two albums in probably 18 hours, one take of every song. It's like, I can't even remember those songs. <laughs> and he came and did it. <laughs> he flew in, got it done, and then flew back out. Um, so he's a phenomenal musician and, yeah, a force of nature. Uh, and his lyrics are amazing. So he's yeah, integral to... Um, the uh the werewolves man yeah definitely yeah i and i know that on this album here i read the presser and uh, the the lyrical themes uh polarization and conflict online due to social media discourse is that is that something that did you have a hand in the lyric writing or the ideas zero. around it zero, well, that's, zero. All that's, sam, all, that's all sam that's all sam so he will uh, once we track everything, he will send through his lyrical ideas and they're always brilliant. It's like, yeah, cool. Don't change the thing. <laughs> um, he's got complete creative control in that regards. Um, and it's always, it's, it's killer for me when I hear, cause usually I, I will hear the vocals, uh, once it's mixed, essentially, um, I guess bringing it back to the psychoptic connection. Uh, Joe records and produces all the albums. Um, so there's, he's integral to the, I guess, the werewolf sound um, on record. So that's, that's the first time I, I will hear Sam's vocals when they're all in there and mixed. And it's like, wow, okay. When it's actually a, a finished album. And that's always exciting because, you know, his vocals are very unique. Um, his phrasing is amazing. Um, uh, I guess to your layman, it just sounds like death metal, rah, rah, rah. But if you get into it, like the rhythms uh, and the patterns, um, yeah, of excellent, excellent. I wouldn't change a thing. So when when I get the final mixes of the albums, that's when I hear it and I'm like, yeah. Perfect. Perfect. That's an interesting point you raise, and and I've had this issue a couple of times actually. But I'm talking about the layperson, the non the person who has no understanding, or or they think everything from Kiss to Immortal is the same, yeah. or even deeper than that, Green Day and Immortal are the same. I've even had this this garbage from the lay people. But for someone as as this is your career, you're really invested in it. Have you had Have you had people? Or how do, how do you acknowledge that? Does it does it come up occasionally where you're at an airport or someone says, you're a musician, let me listen to your music, oh, and you show them and it's werewolves and they're like, what the hell is this shit? This sort of thing, do you occasionally deal with it? Um, oh, you do, and it's, it's funny. I see the humour in it because I still remember back in the day, you know, listening to – Three Hours of Power at the time, I think it was yeah. with Costa, um, and hearing Beastial Warlust for the first time. And yeah, I still have a, a mental image of what I saw. I thought it was skeletons playing this music. And I was like, what is this? 
Um, it didn't sound like music, but it was very appealing. I liked it and hated it at the same time. Um, so, yeah, for the layperson, it can be full on and it's like, what the fuck is this? Mm-hmm. Um, so, no, I do not get offended at all when um, talking to people about it because I still remember that. Um, yeah. I went back and listened to more, you know, you listen, okay, I, I think I liked it. I said, let's listen to it again. Um, then you hear Cannibal Corpse and you do the same thing. It's like, oh, fuck, should I be listening to this? Um, hearing a Bremelin for the first time, and it's like, what is, what is this? Um, so it, it, it's not lost on me when it um, – when people don't know how to react. Um, you know, one in a hundred people might be like, yeah, I don't know what's going on, but I need to listen to it again. Uh, and yeah, yeah. So it, it, it doesn't bother me. It doesn't bother me. Yeah. That's so true about what you're mentioning. I distinctly, it's funny you mentioned Bestial Warlust because I distinctly remember listening to KK being interviewed by Costa. It was 1994 on three hours of power and uh costa he was talking kk was talking about a new style of music and costa's like well what's that and it was satanic war metal <laughs> <laughs> and he went into some detail i think he asked him he says what well, why is this a new style of music haven't we had this stuff before you know costa didn't dive too deep because it was mate it was triple j which is effectively mainstream radio but i used to live in sydney and i used to go to the as a young kid i used to go to the hammer house in Parramatta. Yeah. excuse me and it felt like you were like i mean i grew up fairly catholic right you know i had to go to mass every sunday and it literally felt like entering hell and it, <laughs> <laughs> i remember the first time i walked i walked I had to walk past it a couple of times, like I was like walking to a pawn shop yeah, or something. Yeah, it's like, oh, <laughs> yeah, it's like yeah. can we yeah, yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. And then Julie in there couldn't have been more lovely. And she's just a, a lovely lady just talking to me about things and, and stuff. But and that hints at something else. I, I really feel like I'm I'm yet to when it comes to extreme metal, I'm really yet to meet somebody objectionable, I must say. Um, I feel like as though we it's fans, music fans playing for music fans. Mm, yeah. um, is that is that an experience yeah you should yeah yeah for sure like i'd agree with that um and yeah it's it's definitely a very welcoming subculture um probably because it's you know people might feel shunned by the rest of society for whatever reason they find extreme music um and as a result they're most of the time very hospitable and very nice and affable, affable people and usually have got a pretty interesting story. So once yeah. you get past the pleasantries, it's like, let's skip past that. Let's, how the fuck did you end up here? Um, yeah. And that's, that's something I'm always fascinated about. Like, especially out on the road, like everyone's got a pretty unique story. It's like, what are you doing here? Like, why? Um, yeah, some sometimes you don't want to delve too deep if people don't want to talk about it. But a lot of the times, people have got a pretty, pretty unique, pretty interesting story, and then you can kind of relate as well um, to how you got into the music and what led to this point in time. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, 
Look, I'll wrap things up, but I need to ask, are there any topics or subjects or anything about Werewolves or your other great bands, King, for example, that you wanted to talk about? Uh, well, I just saw in the King thread today that a new single came out. I'm like, oh, I didn't realise. <laughs> <laughs> um, I guess that comes back to always looking forward to the next thing. Um, so something I've recorded maybe a year or two ago, I've, it's gone. I don't. I can't even remember the songs. Um, so it's always that's always cool. I had to listen to it. Like, oh, maybe I would have changed that. Maybe I would have, would have done that differently. Um, but it's still kind of cool when you yeah you forget the songs completely and then it pops up. Um, so yeah, King, I've got a new album coming out. Uh, it's on Soul Seller Records. Um. We've got, uh, yeah, Psychroptic, we've, we've got some shows here and there, and then we're back into the studio next year. Um, werewolves will perpetually be in, in and out of the studio. Uh, I've, got, I've, I've got a stockpile of uh, music that I've got to get through that Matt's already sent me. Um, so, yeah, it's just, just trying to stay busy and, um, and keep doing what I love. Yeah, fit everything in before everything changes again with the new edition. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the new, yeah, I've got to issue some new laminates. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> well, look, I'm, I'm catching up with Matt when, when you guys come up, so I hope we can catch up because I'd love to, you know, sure, just yeah. and just have a beer with you if you still drink beer or what have you. <laughs> I'll, I'll, have a, I'll have a fizzy drink of some. Fizzy drink, there you go. <laughs> of some, of some regards. But for sure, yeah. Like uh, Personally, I've been a big fan of the podcast for a long time, so it'd be great to meet in person. Oh, that was very flattering. I've had a few compliments lately, but that was a big one. And uh, I really, made. I really appreciate it. That's one of those moments where I was like, shit, Dave Haley like, even knows what I do, okay? That's, oh, you know, yes. <laughs> but I mean, you know, that's, but that's the inner fan in me, just like, shit, you know, you've played to literally at this point tens of hundreds of thousands of people. And I guess it's been listened to a little bit, but it still feels quite special when somebody of your stature actually acknowledges that, you exist, you know what I mean? Well, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm still a fan myself. Um, and, you know, I guess speaking of nerves, I was nervous before this because I'm like, oh, wow, it's, it's, it's that guy. I listen to him. <laughs> so it's, um, yeah, I, I, I guess I'm, I'm stoked that I'm still excited about this stuff. I still feel like a teenager. I haven't really grown up. Yeah. No, that's great. That's and that's great. That's great advice for everybody out there. I think to find something that makes you feel that way, that you get that nervous teenage energy about, and you'll know you're on the right path. Yeah, just keep doing it. Like fuck, don't get a fucking real job, Jesus Christ. <laughs> no, yeah, don't do that. Trust me, it doesn't. I did it for so long that as a young yeah. fella through my twenties, especially, I was the guy that went to work early, turned on the lights, and was one of the last people out, mate. And I can just tell you, it's just free labour at some point. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I do that here because uh, different story. Yeah, <laughs> this, is, this, is, this is my job. <laughs> when, you, when you're doing it in a large corporation on you know level eleven in the Brisbane CBD or whatever, it's it, you just think at the some it's point time you go, oh, it is. You yeah. get to a, you can't do it. You get to a point where you check out and go, this is awful. Doesn't matter how much more I give it, once more, it's like a machine. Yeah, but I guess the, having the understanding of that's what it feels like. Don't forget that. It's like, don't go back to that. Um, definitely f experience it. You're like, fuck, I don't want to go back to that. You know, 
just keep keep trying to do what um, makes you excited. Yeah, that's the only advice I've got for people is after my journey. I'm now 45 and just follow your passion always. Always have an outlet for your passion, whether you're a go-kart racer or you're a horse rider or camp drafter or musician like what we are. But then just find a way to make money too. That's yeah, it. That's and it. Thank that's God it. I've managed to do that at this point in time. It's just sort of, like you, mate, I feel blessed as well. Yeah. You know, and I think if you get to that point, particularly when you've got kids as well, life just life makes a lot of sense a lot of the time. Mm, mm. Yeah. There you go. Sage words. Sage words. <laughs> <laughs> I had a lot of fun. I hope um, people get something out of listening to it. Yep, same. I think they definitely will. Don't worry about that. So hopefully see you up here soon, mate, With when you play with us, bye. Let's have a fizzy drink. <laughs> Look forward to it, mate. No worries. Okay, take, take care. Thanks, brother. Cheers. Catch bye. you. Well, there he is, ladies and gents, the great Dave Haley. Now, if you're yet to listen to my conversation with his brother, the guitarist in Psychroptic, Joe Haley, please go across and check that one out there. They're both very unique characters, aren't they? But highly intelligent you can certainly tell that all right there are many more conversations over at scarsandguitars.com and if you like listening well i know you must like reading and i've written a book you're in luck on that front click the link in the banner on the scars and guitars website and you'll be taken to a marketplace of your choice and you can check out the book you know the rest if you do complete the purchase do hit me up because i want to thank you personally and so many of you have thank you for that There's some more information to share with you about the book in the moment, but before we get to that, I'll bid you a fond farewell. My name is Andrew Mackay-Smith, and I'm the host of the Scars and Guitars podcast. Until next time, it's a goodbye for now. This is Eric Rutan of Cannibal Corpse. You are listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast with Andrew Mackay-Smith. I've been the host of the Scars and Guitars podcast since 2017. The first musician I interviewed for the show was David Vincent from Morbid Angel, and things have just snowballed from there. In all, I've posted almost 650 podcast episodes featuring conversations with many of the leading lights of rock, heavy metal, and beyond. It just got to a point where I thought, I need to write a book about all this, so that's exactly what I did. In Scars and Guitars Volume 1, you'll read a heap of deep reveals and commentary, such as Des Fafara talking about Cold Chamber and why the band will never return. You know, if you're a, a band just starting out, you need to hear me. Do not start a band with partners. Ever. Yeah, wise words there. Sage advice, mate, for anybody. Don't ever, because I, I can't go do Cold Chamber right now unless I get others involved. Phil Anselmo talks about the episode in his career, which gives him the greatest sense of accomplishment. I think the staying power of the, the fans and the staying power of the... I, of the songs, you know, whether it's Pantera, Down, or Superjoint, the fans remember the songs. Alex Skolnick from Testament confirms that, yes, playing the guitar in Ozzy's band is anything but an ordinary gig. Will Silent Oz from Demu Borgir write a book? Pa from Sabaton gives advice to people who want to start a band. Look at the team around you, look at the bandmates. If, uh, if the guys want to be on the stage, then it's all cool. If the guys want to be backstage, then it's not going to be cool. Current and former members of Cradle of Filth discuss the band's seminal 90s material. Read about the reaction to George Lynch and Mark from Suicide Silence's comments when they throw shade at then-President Donald Trump. We have this 
idiotic monster, you know, this egotistical, self-aggrandizing, complete piece of shit in there. I, I, I just, I just can't understand how we've gotten to this place. And yeah, we kicked a hornet's nest with Sepultura. Percussive overlord Gene Hoagland talks about recording with Chuck Schuldiner. Chuck was always, um, you know, he was, he was very, you know, very open-minded and, and he was into having his, his musicians that were playing with him just reach out for, for the best stuff that they had. Phil Campbell from Motorhead discusses what it takes to get sober. John Five answers his critics who dismiss his tenure with Marilyn Manson. You know, my name is John Five, and Manson gave me that name, and um, I had some of the best years of my life in that band and, and learned a lot. And we get the lowdown on Trey Zagtoth from those who would know, including his mother. All across Scars and Guitars Volume 1, there are moments of tension, relief, tragedy, exhilaration, and throughout it all, you'll obtain insight that I believe no one else has managed to obtain from many of your favourite artists. So treat yourself. Scars and Guitars Volume 1 is currently available as an ebook with a print edition on the horizon. Follow the links attached and download a sample. I'm sure you'll be compelled to read the whole book. <laughs>